Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Reggie's Expressions. But before we get started, I need to tell you about how great this application called Anchor is. That's the application that I'm using to record this right now. This application is great because it allows you to be able to record a podcast and do all the things that you need in terms of editing in one place, all right? I used this application before, and not only did I have to record it, I had to download it from this thing and add it to this and add it. It was just too much. I found out about Anchor, and I realized how easy it was. They have all the creation tools and everything that you're going to need right from your phone. You can edit, you can add music, whatever you need directly from the application. Like I said, it's all in one place. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I can't reiterate that enough, all right? So all you guys got to do is go and download the Anchor app, either from your Google Play Store or your Apple Play Store or wherever you get your, your apps from on your phone. Or you can do it the traditional way by going to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. Thank you so much again. And don't forget, you can find us on Reggie's Expressions, and that's Reggie's underscore expressions on Instagram. Enjoy the episode. Hey, guys, what's going on? We got another episode of Reggie's Expressions. I just want to tell everybody thank you so much for subscribing. Um, I've been putting out a lot of content out there because I've just had some amazing conversations with people. So, um, you know, this is another step to that. Um, I do have a special guest here. Uh, this young lady I've known for a few years. Um, she is my best friend's, uh, uh, brother's, um, uh, spouse, wife, and Maddie has always shown a level of passion beyond anyone's understanding, really, mine, and I just absolutely adore her, and my intention is to, you know, we're just going to have a conversation, you guys will be able to look into that, um, and kind of see what the steps are to get into politics, and just see how this conversation goes, so, um, Miss Maddie, um, Hi. tell us a little bit Thank about you. No worries, no worries. I'm happy to talk over you. Thank you for having me, um, Reggie. Yeah, like you said, we've known each other forever. As long as I can remember, like Mm -hmm. I really don't even remember how many years. It's been been a few years. I just celebrated, what, 14 years? Yeah. It's been at least least a good chunk of that. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for having me today. I'm Madeline Jones. Um, I am, you know, all of the family calls me Maddie, so I've got that in there. (laughs) Um, But I am uh, running for state senate. Here in Georgia, um, my district is Senate District 45. It's located in northern Gwinnett County, which is north of Atlanta, about 35 miles up I-85 and near the Mall of Georgia. My district consists of nine cities, um, and each of the cities is so different. It's the biggest geographical district um, in my county, and um, it it has everything from farms and mansions and everything you can think of in between. So um, by a lot of standards and metrics, my district is very high performing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the demographics are 56% white, it's uh, 16% black, uh, 14% Hispanic, and 10% Asian. Um, our average median income per household is about $80,000. Um, we have very high uh, college graduation rates and high graduate degree uh, rates. Um, you know, very low poverty, um, 75% home ownership. So by a lot of standards, uh, 
our district is doing really well. Um, we This seat, however, has never been held by a Democrat. It's never been held by a person of color. Um, for I did the research from what I can find, and there was one little gap where it kind of just like disappeared. And I was like, well, what is this gap? But from what I can find, it's never been held by either one. So if I win my race, which I intend to do, it will I will be the first Democrat in this seat. And I will be the first uh, person of color in this seat. And so I'm really excited about what we're trying to do. Um, I uh, am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I moved to Georgia my freshman year of high school. I graduated from high school here and went to college here. And then after college, I went back to my former high school to teach social studies. And my first year of teaching was when Hurricane Katrina happened. Mm -hmm. So even though my family was safe and my family was okay, I knew that what I was seeing on the news was not okay. The people on the Superdome and on their roofs, you know, day after day, that was on a Tuesday. And uh, Wednesday, they were still on the roof. Thursday, still on the roof. Friday, still on the roof. And I was like, oh my goodness, we could be halfway around the world in 20 hours. Like, what what is happening? You can't get to New Orleans in five days. And so um, I knew then that I was seeing two things that really struck me. One was a breakdown of government on all levels, from the top to the bottom. And two was a lack of compassion. And it really left an impression on me that, you know, a lot of things in government are not about resources. They are about will, political will. And do you have the political will from the people who are elected to actually do the things that people need? And so um, I... That left a lasting impression on me. Right. That's all I can say. And, um, you know, I was I was seeing a disconnect between what I was teaching and what I was seeing on the news. Um, but, you know, a few years later, I had the chance to work for President Obama's campaign. Um, and the summer before, it was actually this week, you know, at, when I was going into my fourth year of teaching, um, the fellowship that I did over the summer, uh, the campaign asked if I would stay on and finish to November and go work in in, uh, North Carolina. And so right before I was supposed to go back to teaching that year, 2008, I actually went to North Carolina, to Charlotte, to go try to uh, flip that state from red to blue, and we did it. Um, We did it, yeah. And it was the first time in 35 years that that state went blue for the presidency. And what that taught me was the power of every vote. Because we won that state by less than half of 1% less than half of one percent and so every vote does count you know we every door counts like every you know volunteer count every postcard counts and so it was powerful uh to win and to make history even though when i left i was teaching history when i came back i had just made history and Mm. so that was a powerful experience um so much so that i left georgia i didn't go back to the classroom we just packed up and moved Mm -hmm. you know we were like we just wanted to be in D.C. in the area uh, while the president was serving. So, I mean, that's where we were for eight years. Um, We moved to Ohio for about a year and a half, and then we just moved back to Georgia about three years ago. And so I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to talk with you, and uh, we could definitely go more in-depth into anything we talk about, but I'll let you take it away. (laughs) Absolutely. So one of the things that, you know, I suffer from and I I see a lot of my friends kind of suffer from is the subject of politics. Um, A lot of I remember when I was in the military and there were like three things you don't talk about. Women, family and politics, because you would never come to an agreement on any of them. And I've seen kind of 
kind of that story go through with a lot of my friends because number one, they feel like they aren't versed enough. And number two, everyone seems to be passionate about their politics. So <laughs> my question to you is, is what do you suggest? Or, I mean, I know it's a broad question, but how do we break past that ba barrier of, I would just consider politic apathy, really? Sure. No, I think part of the reason why people aren't into politics is because of school. And um, it is sad to me um, how much more effort we put into science and technology and math than we do in civics. Because at the end of the day, if you go on to be an engineer or you go on to be a coder or you go on to be whatever, you still have to vote and participate in government. It's the most fundamental activity that a citizen can do. Um, and so I think that in, in order to keep our democracy alive. Um, and so I think that, you know, that lack of feeling connected to politics and feeling qualified for politics and feeling like it's for you, I think that's very common and I think that happens because of school. Mm -hmm. I don't think enough emphasis is placed on I think our babies should be voting all the way from kindergarten through. Like we should be doing mock elections all the way from the time Ooh. they first start school. They should be voting on something, you know, putting something into a box. So it's become something that's just a second second nature if you grew up in a democracy or a representative democracy. And so I think um, it's sad, but I understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think personally, I will say this, whatever, I don't know what's next for me after this race, but something I'm committed to doing is starting some kind of organization that helps people, everyday people get involved in politics. Because even though I'm into politics, like this is my first time running for office and it's been stressful. It's been a learning experience for me. And I don't feel like I'm a political person. Even though I'm running for office, right. when I compare myself to people who've been in politics for a long time, mm -hmm. um, and there's things, there's some characteristics of people that have been in politics for a long time that I don't want to be like, right. like, I don't, you know, there's certain aspects that I'm just like, I don't want to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so um, I can understand where that comes from. And I empathize, but I think personally, I'm going to make it a personal effort and mission to try to help regular people, everyday people start to see themselves in this work mm -hmm. because it is, we, the people on the ground are actually more powerful than the people we elect because you have the power to elect them or not right. <laughs> and True. they work for you. Right. And so when you get elected as an elected official, the people are your boss. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, so many people don't believe that or understand that or know that that they just let these politicians run rampant with their money. It's our, all of our money, mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, all the things we care about, they either put them on the table or they don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there has to be not just an accountability, but there, I believe there has to be a sense of responsiveness to the cares and concerns of all your constituents, not just the people who vote for you. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can do this differently in a way that's more inclusive, in a way that's more you know, warm and welcoming. I mean, it's been pretty cold. I'm like, politics doesn't need to be this cold, but it's mm -hmm. been cold. Mm -hmm. um, so I see, I think there's there's hope, but I understand why people feel the way they do. Because I feel that way too, and I am into politics. <laughs> right. And, you know, honestly, I, I have to give you credit because when I found that you were going to be, even though I don't live in your district, I was absolutely enamored and, and, and amazed that you were taking on that task. And, uh, you know, I was like 
thinking to myself, whatever I can do to, to help get the word out there. Um, because I had never, number one, seen someone at the ground level. And number two, see myself in, you know, in being African-American, really, you know, on this level. So I felt like it was necessary for me to uh, to support that. So I just have a question for you. Um, uh-huh. How much of what you do has to do with you know, uh, black girl magic. Cause we're starting to see a lot of that kind of, you know, uh, black women have always shown up for us in, 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 in every way, shape and form. Um, how much of that is, is, is brought on by, you know, the black girl magic, uh, in you. Cause you got it for sure. You know, thank you. Um, <laughs> I would say this, um, up until a few weeks ago, I did my whole campaign by myself. Mm-hmm. I have not had staff. I haven't had a team. Um, for a few reasons. Number one, like I am not a money person. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't motivate me and it doesn't intimidate me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this fundraising piece is so critical to, you know, having the resources to be able to do all the campaign activities you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I do not want to spend money on just random stuff. And I don't want to just raise money just to raise it because I feel like these are real dollars that can really go to real organizations that are helping people, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and so there's that political money factor where I feel like I just wasn't interested in raising a whole lot of money. I was more interested in getting the work done. So I did it myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I say that to say I was really, really proud and happy that I won in my primary because I mean, I was doing it by myself since last year. Mm-hmm. And I have spent my career in roles playing second fiddle. Mm. So I've spent my career in roles where my job was to make other people look good. And I did it joyfully because I'm a, I'm good at it. I'm a great administrator. Like I'm a great educator. I'm great at organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that I know are my strength, but I haven't been able to um, get into leadership roles in my career because I think, because once you get somebody like that, you're not trying to really elevate them. Right. You're not really trying to let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the magic, you know, I haven't, it's not magic. It's magical though. Like, right. Yeah. I, I understand what you mean. What like, you mean. It's, it's, it's so much hard work. It's so much grit. It's so much um, commitment. Mm-hmm. And really it is believing in myself because there is a part of me that, I felt like I just didn't need to take a poll before I just decided to believe in myself. Right. And so I kind of, you know, that part of me, I guess, could be called magic at some point. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I think the magic is real now. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I think the idea at the same time, the idea that is magic is like. It's unfortunate because I do think black women kind of get labeled as superheroes, but we don't get the shine that comes with it. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I am proud of what I have done and I brought on some help now. And now the hardest thing is letting my help help me. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just used to doing it on my own. And and so I'm trying to transition with Mm -hmm. these last, you know, 89 days of actually having a team, um, so we'll see where that lands. But, you know, I will say this. I believe this seat is flippable mm-hmm. and nobody's paid attention to this seat. I mean, this seat has been held by the Republican Party for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's never been held by a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the demographics have changed dramatically in the last 30 years. 
And so I see the potential here. And that's why I'm running for this seat because I realized like, okay, the, the numbers are here if we can get the turnout out. Um, so we do have something to prove. Right. I mean, I do have something to prove. And that's probably why I've kept my circle small mm-hmm. because everybody can't see a vision, right? right like, right. Right. <laughs> it's not a vision if everybody can see it. Everybody can't True. see it. And so I've kept my circle small and, um, and I just kept my head down. Um, but I know the potential is here. So I, if we win um, this seat, Mm. It will turn a lot of heads because winning the primary certainly turned a lot of heads. Right. Um, and, you know, then I'll sprinkle my magic dust all over the place. But for right now, mm-hmm. you're still in <laughs> the ground level on the work. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, you've definitely convinced me for sure um, in terms of, you know, being a believer. That's why I felt like it was necessary to to really have to support you and make sure that I, you know, help get your word out. Because, I mean, I do feel like you're an anomaly in that sense. You know, someone who's very passionate about something like this, which I feel like has invoked a little bit of passion in me in terms of making sure I research more and, you know, uh, uh, you know, just being more interested in, in, in making sure that my vote counts and it matters. And I, you know, hold my um, not constituents, but my, my, the people I vote for. Um, right. Oh, yes. You're elected. Right. Um, but, uh, my next question is, and you guys will hear apathy a lot, um, because it, it seems to come out a lot when we talk about voting and politics. So <clears throat> what do you say to someone who feels like their vote doesn't matter? They have vote apathy. They, you know, don't vote or haven't voted because, you know, the government is just going to do whatever they want anyway. What would you mm-hmm. say to that person talking to them saying, hey, you know, your vote does matter? I, I'd say look at it this way. You are paying taxes regardless of whether or not you want to. So every dollar you make, you know, 30, 25 cents, sometimes 40 cents, <laughs> for some, you know, 10 cents, every dollar you make, you're paying taxes. And for the sake of having any direction for how your money is spent, you should vote mm-hmm. because you're, it's money that we're, it's coming out of your work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't vote, you have no say in how that money is spent. Mm-hmm. If that's the case and you don't mind just making it rain, send me money. I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> www.madelinejones.com. Exactly. Because I mean, I just think it's all of our money. It belongs to all of us. So when you don't vote, you don't have any say about who is making decisions about how to spend our money. Mm-hmm. You also don't have any say in what they prioritize when they get into office. So think of think, one way to think about it is this. If you don't vote and you don't pay attention to politics and you don't you know, help seat the people in office who are going to represent you, why would they pay attention to what you care about? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. like why if it's, if you're not helping them win elections, if you're not keeping them on their toes about what they do in the legislature, if you don't have anything to say about how they spend our money, then why would they even invest in anything that you care about at all? Yeah, and so it's just what's the motivation? Mm-hmm. What would be the reason? It's a waste of time. Right. You know, pay attention to people that aren't paying attention to you, unless you elect people who care about people. And then it doesn't matter if you pay attention to them or not. They're paying attention to you. Right. So that's why I kind of think we just have to 
your vote does count. The math does mean something. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it's not always about the person you like winning. It's about the principle. Mm-hmm. Are you getting someone in the legislature or in the White House who you agree on principle? Do you agree on the concept? Mm-hmm. Do you agree on the concept that everybody should have health care? Yes or no? If you agree on the concept, the next question is, do you have somebody in office who believes that everybody should have health care? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. It'll help guide your, you know, guide how you connect mm-hmm. because we're not always going to agree on the details. Mm-hmm. And we're not always going to prioritize the same issues, but the general values of justice, fairness, you know, merit, and, you know, freedom, mm-hmm. <laughs> like True. those general values, we have to get aligned on principle. We can duke it out on policy, but I think part of the reason people, I just don't, I think it all goes back to school mm-hmm. and schooling and not really making this, you know, something people can wrap their arms around. And I think it's on purpose. Right. I think it's intentional. I think it's intentional because the people are the most powerful group in a democracy, not the president, not anybody you elect, the people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's intentional. And hopefully in Georgia, I'll be able to change some of the curriculum, um, social studies curriculum to mm-hmm. help make that something that's more ingrained mm-hmm. um, early on in our kids about their role in a democracy. And I'm glad you, you answered the next question for me when you were saying about because you and I had a conversation offline about, you know, uh, Joe Biden, if you don't mind uh, me bringing that up, but about how I didn't feel like he represented the person um, that I should vote for simply because he was a vote against Trump. But I think that you did a, a very uh, good job of explaining why, you know, you really have to look at the concept as opposed to, you know, um, details. So yeah. and the messenger. I mean, think about I look, you know, I was a co-captain of my flag football team for two years. Mm-hmm. And it's like the quarterback is important, but the quarterback is not the whole team. The quarterback mm-hmm. cannot do anything without the team. The bench matters. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, OK, yes, he might be able to call the shots, but he can't make the play without these other people and so you have to, for me it's the same reason why i can't, and i'll just leave that off the record it's the same reason why tom brady is heading to florida right i think mm-hmm. he's heading to florida and he's going to take his talent and skill as a quarterback but guess what if his team ain't ready for him mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that he just won six however many rings in new york or wherever he was up there mm-hmm. new england mm-hmm. you know and so it's it's bigger than one person. What we're trying to accomplish takes a team of people, a coalition of people working together. And so even in my race, even if we win my seat, we have not had a, the Democrats have not had a majority in the legislature in either house since 2003. So it's not enough to just win my seat. We have to win eight other seats in order to flip the Senate. We have to win 16 seats to flip the house. And so it's like, those are reasons to not only be invested in all these races and to donate in, to all these different races, but to try to build coalitions and communities of progressive support so that you can get the team under the gold dome, mm-hmm. not just the person, because the person can't do anything without the team. Right. And so we need to get the team, the right team, same with our U.S. Senate. We don't have control in the Senate. And so even though we've had control of the House, we don't have control in the Senate, so we can't get nothing done. Right. One person, Mitch McConnell, he can he has a stack of bills three years long on his desk. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have to start using wisdom, I think, in how we approach our voting. Mm-hmm. Because I think something the other side does really well is that they don't care about the messenger. What is the message? That's all they care about. What is the principle? What is the concept? We will go with whoever's going to be the voice for our concept in the legislature. We can figure it out on the details of the policy. I think we should do more of that. Right. We just got to think more strategically. Like get get rid get them out of these seats. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like True. that is the goal. Who has the best chance of winning? So that we can get them out of those seats, and we can hold on to those seats or get those seats, and then we can fight in the background to figure out how to get it done to serve the people that we care about. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I say uh, forget the messenger. It doesn't really matter unless you feel like there is some conviction to make you think that the messenger, you know, for whatever reason, wouldn't be for you in principle. Right. Right. I can understand that. And. Um, you know, it's I like how you're making it in consumable pieces, because when we look at it, or at least for me, when we look at politics or when I look at politics, I look at it as this one big thing, you know, yeah. and it's kind of hard to kind of get into, OK, where do I start? So for for those of us who are, you know, kind of in the grassroots of, you know, consciousness when it comes to politics um, like, I feel like I'm in a part of researching and, and, and getting to know, like, I got my, my voter ballot, uh, you know, and I'm looking, you know, making sure I research everybody a little bit more. What would you say would be the next step for us who want to, you know, um, see change, you know, once we figure out the, the electors or, you know, the candidates that we're looking to represent us? I think you get involved right where you are. So... You know, every state, I believe every state has a Democratic Party, every county, mm-hmm. especially in Florida. I think y'all all have Democratic Party counties. But I will say this. I'm a party person. Mm-hmm. So I have to put that caveat out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just a random independent Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a party person. And I know not everybody is a party person. But I believe in the power of organizing people, organizing information, organizing money and resources, all the things that you know, the party does to reach voters and organize, like I said, organize information, organized money, organize people themselves. I think that's really important and I value that. Um, but that's probably because I spent my career behind the scenes. And so I value the hard work that goes into behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, even though people are very critical of the Democratic Party, I find that the people who are most critical of the Democratic Party are the least involved. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so it's a volunteer organization, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to the national level, there are employees, but on the state level and down, it's volunteers. And mm-hmm. so we are the Democratic Party, you know? And I think being mindful of your gifts and your talents and your skills and what you can bring to the party to make it better mm-hmm. or to help something be smoother or to reach a certain population that's not being reached or to you know step in to meet a need i think that's a great place to start mm-hmm. um and i would encourage you you know before the day is over to look up your county's party because you know this happens to be a presidential election year so it's a lot of buzz and we're just happy to be at this point in the year mm-hmm. where everything is going to be full speed ahead until november and so um i think that's the starting place Mm-hmm. Um, I would say feel free to reach out to your elected official and see if you can meet them, do Zoom or have a call and just or or look up their record because a lot of times their record is on the um, 
if you look up the state legislature's page, they can they'll show show all their votes and stuff. At least for us, it shows all their votes on different bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say the most important thing is to have some grace and to lend a hand. I think you have to do both mm-hmm. because again, democracy is is a is a partici- like it's a participatory, right. you know, and so it's that's why we fight fight so hard for the right to participate um because you know otherwise what's the point like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no point and so that's what i would say i would say start small and start with something you care about whether that be an issue-based organization that advocates to leadership you know mm-hmm. elected leadership or whether that be the county party itself and i'm always going to push people to the county party Right. Because I feel like, again, you get there, it's volunteers, you don't like something that you see, guess what? You stay and help make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay and help make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really don't like it, run for office yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the beauty of it. Anybody is qualified. If you're a citizen and you, I mean, states have some criteria, but for the most part, if you're a citizen and you haven't had any kind of, you know, federal legal trouble and you're fully coherent and all these things, Run. <laughs> right. It's just that you simple. Know, if you can do it better, just run. I mm-hmm. mean, because it's hard. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and we end up with, we don't always end up with the best candidates. We end up with the people who can make it through the process. Right. Right. And so that's something else to consider because sometimes the best candidates can't make it through the process mm-hmm. because the process is so brutal. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and only 98% of the, I mean, sorry, only 2% of the population ever runs for office. Mm. So 98% of the entire population does not run for office. And so there's a very small, that's why you can end up with people for generations and generations. Like the guy that Cory Bush beat last night, his family had been holding that seat for almost 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, because once you get a luck on that seat, I mean, it's a very small portion of the population that ever runs for office. Right. So that's part of why it feels unreachable. And that's part of why it feels like it's for somebody else and not for me. Mm-hmm. But the more people that we get to get involved on in a local party, especially younger people, mm-hmm. get yeah. involved in a local party. You're the next generation, you know? And so um, that would be my encouragement. So um, it's getting, you know, uh, that time. And I want to tell you, thank you so much for the conversation that we have just had. You have definitely enlightened me. And, you know, I wish this conversation could go for longer because it definitely shows your passion in terms of, you know what you're talking about. So, um, you know, if they didn't know, now they know. (laughs) I said, if they don't know, now they know. Yeah. Hey, listen, (laughs) and I just want you to know that I feel like what you're doing right now is a great service to your community. It's a great service to whoever's listening. And, you know, um, on the Obama campaign, one of the things they would say is like, how do you build community one house at a time? Mm-hmm. And so it's this 30 minutes, you know, can you have no idea the ripple effect that this could have. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, taking your gifts and taking your skills and offering them to the process is what we need more people to do. So yeah. I appreciate you for having thank me you. today. Thank you. And, um, Thank you for having me today. And no. if you want to turn this into a series, I got a whole bunch of candidates that would love to come talk with you. Absolutely. <laughs> because I think that, um, you know, you, you like I said, you've definitely tapped into me, my interest in terms of learning more. And I think it would be. I would absolutely love to, you know, get more other, you know, get other people that would, you know, kind of speak to their experience and stuff like that. So absolutely. For sure. Oh, so. Thank you. 
Thanks again, Maddie. So yeah, that was an amazing conversation that you guys got to uh, listen into. But, you know, Carlos actually helped me out and um, he came up, uh, not came up with some of the questions, but he wanted to know uh, what she would give in terms of words of advice for, you know, being a woman in politics and so on and so forth. So the next section is going to be her answer to that. And um, it was really good to kind of hear what she had to say. So um, thanks again, Maddie, for, um, you know, interviewing with us. And I'm definitely looking forward to see what happens. And I'm pretty, pretty sure that you're going to win the Senate um, seat in uh, November. So um, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I help out your campaign as much as possible. So um, here's the answer to the question of, you know, um, being a woman in politics. It's a male-dominated profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, women are the primary caregivers in most of our households, in most American households. Um, a lot of women who run for office and win either have children who are grown or they don't have children. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, being that age group, that age range in life where you're raising children, mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of effort by some groups to try to get more women who are moms to be able to run for office mm-hmm. as opposed to it being before they ever have children or after their children are grown. Because we miss out this whole group of like 25 to 45 year olds, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I think for women who want to run for office, I would encourage them to, to just run. Right. Um, you know, if you have the support of your spouse, um, that will be needed because this is a very time-consuming uh, responsibility and it's also very, um, how do I say it? It's kind of mean. I can see that. I can see that. You're going to need the emotional support. Um, you're going to need the emotional support um, to get through the process um, knowing mm-hmm. that people are not going to give you power. You're going to have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be ready for the fight. Nobody's going to hit, just be like, oh, you're running for my seat. Here you go. No, mm-hmm. nobody's going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so having a support system having a supportive spouse, mm-hmm. um, having someone to help with the kids, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being in a good headspace, mm-hmm. you know, being in a good place in your career. So I've been working full time and mm-hmm. Friday was my last day of working at my job because I just knew at some point I was going to get to that point where, you know, I had planned to work all the way through because my if I win, my seat is a part-time role. Mm-hmm. It's not a full-time role. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's just too much going on. Mm-hmm. Like, what, we were going to send my kid, now we're not going to send my kid. So now <laughs> we're back to homeschool, and then the school said, now you can send them back. I'm like, what is it? This all within the last three days. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful, you know, between that and the campaign, you know, and having a supportive spouse who can just be like, look, if you need to stop something, stop something. And mm-hmm. so I uh, am left job um but that's so needed Mm -hmm. and that's why i hadn't run before now Mm -hmm. because we were in ohio we're in virginia i didn't have the support Mm -hmm. um and so i think for any woman who wants to run you know i think step number one is to rid yourself from the idea that you have to know everything because you're going to learn as you go Mm -hmm. Um, believe in yourself 
run the kind of campaign that you want to run. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody tell you you have to do X, Y, and Z. If it's not a part of your compliance, you can run your campaign how you want to run your campaign. Um, And then, of course, I would always say to seek God first Mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, it's very lonely to run for office, especially because a very small number of people do it. And so I think you, I think, at least for me, I've had to have that spiritual foundation to know Mm -hmm. that, you know, even though a lot of people don't understand that I'm not alone, like it's okay. And so I think, um, I say go for it Mm -hmm. for any woman who's thinking about it or any person who's thinking about it. I say go for it, Mm -hmm. especially since we have. Oh no.